song Holly sang, we ought to have her sing that every time we dedicate children uh, to the Lord and families to the Lord. It's such a perfect expression of, of just God's love mediated through parents. Parents love their children. Moms love their children. We all know that. Mama bears love their children. They take care of their children. Watch this video. On camera, a video that is going viral. This mama bear trying to get her four cubs to safety. Look at her. She's trying to get them to cross this road on Saturday. This is in Connecticut. Traffic stopped on that road to let them cross safely. Oh. Mama bear kept taking the cubs into the woods. Uh, not every baby cooperated. Some kept following <laughs> her back. One kept crossing the street. Another started climbing a telephone pole. After about six minutes of this, she was finally able to get all of her cubs safely across the street. Mama's job is never easy. It's never I, easy. I think you guys said it best, right? You all feel like you've been there before. I, right? I was going to yeah. say, I think this is true video of me at HEB. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get all three of them somehow to the cart. On camera, a video that is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You at HEB, right? I mean, trying to keep care of all those kids. Mama bears have to work hard to take care of their children. Now, there's another side to mama bears. Mama bears are ferocious. I saw that, for instance, 70% of the human beings who die from attacks from grizzly bears are as a result of the moms defending their cubs. I mean, mama bears are not to be toyed with or messed with, and you don't mess with their children. They care about their children, and they will fight for their children. Am I right about that? That's true. We got moms here who will do anything to stand up for their children. I don't want to get between a mama and her cub. Well, there's a group of moms who are also trained with advanced theological degrees who have a website called Mama Bear Apologetics. If you go to that website, you'll see this picture of a bear. It doesn't quite look like the video we just saw. This is a mom who's not going to put up with people filling her child's mind with a lot of error, with a lot of nonsense. I love this line. Mess with our kids and we will demolish your arguments. <laughs> Mama Bear Apologetics. There are actually two books that these women have published. Um, you could put those up if you would. You see the older one on the right, Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies. And then on the left, Mama Bear Apologetics, Guide to Sexuality. We actually have some mama bears in this church that are studying these books because they're concerned about their kids. They're concerned that their kids know the faith that, that has meant everything to them. They want to pass that faith on to their children, and they know their children are being fed, in many sectors, a lot of lies. And these mama bears aren't going to put up with it. Well, you know that I've been on a series on the subject of faith. And this week, I was to preach on faith and doctrine. And for all you doubters, here I am on Mother's Day, and I'm making a transition from Mother's Day to faith and doctrine because mama bears care about their kids. 
Mama bears care about their children being raised in the truth. They want to know that their children are learning the faith that has been given to us. And so that's what I want to talk about because that matters to moms and it matters to dads and it matters to every believer who really does care about faithful living before God and the faithful following of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to focus on. See, we are called to be disciples. That's why we've got moms that are studying books like this so that they can train their children. They know we are called not to be people of faith. Faith is not always a good thing. Faith has has flown airliners into skyscrapers. Faith has enslaved people. Faith has promoted abuse of every imaginable form. Faith has promoted lies. Faith has has undergirded slavery. Faith is not necessarily a good thing. It can be a terrible thing. To be a person of faith is not what we're after. We are called to be disciples, and that's what these moms know. That's what we all need to know. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. A disciple is... A student, that's what disciple means in Greek, to be a student, to be a learner. A disciple comes under the authority of a teacher and learns that teacher's doctrine. So in the ancient world, you might be a disciple of Plato or Aristotle or other philosophical teachers. You could be a disciple of other religious teachers. Well, we are called to be disciples of Jesus, which means we are to follow his teaching, or as the Greek says, his didache. That means teaching, but it's often translated doctrine. Jesus was a teacher. He was many other things, but he was a teacher. And he taught things about God, who God is, what God is like, about humanity, What is the purpose of life? What is right and wrong for human beings? How do we find salvation? Where did this universe come from? What is the future of this world? Jesus talked about these things. He taught doctrines. That is, he had had teaching with content about all of these things. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to learn that content and to follow what Jesus taught to let it shape our lives, to be captured by it. It's not just a matter of intellectual assent. It's a matter of letting that truth penetrate into our hearts until it rules in our hearts. Jesus is not your Savior and Lord unless he is your teacher. And you're not a disciple unless he's your teacher. That's the point. In John chapter 8, Verses 31 and 32, listen to what Jesus said. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now notice this. There were those who were listening to Jesus and they believed in him, it says. They believed in him. So they had a certain kind of faith. But what Jesus says to them is, I know you've got a certain kind of faith here, but if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. In other words, simply announcing 
that you believe in me, that you have faith in me, that's not the whole of it. Real faith involves belief, believing certain things, the very things that I teach. So if you believe those things and if you hold to them, you don't just give it lip service, but you hold to those teachings, you live by those teachings, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Faith won't set you free. Being a person of faith won't set you free. Being a positive thinker won't set you free. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, following his didache, his doctrine, his teaching, that will set you free. That's what Jesus said. Now, the New Testament emphasizes this continually, that there is a content to faith. You know, as I've been going through this series on faith, again and again, I've tried to emphasize that faith is relational. We have a relationship with God. In many ways, you could say faith is simply trust. But there's another component because trust has to have some grounding. There's certain people you shouldn't trust, for example. So if we trust in Jesus, there has to be a belief component. Faith is trust, but it's also belief. It's believing certain things about Christ, about God, about myself, about salvation, about right, about wrong. It's believing those things and being shaped by those things. Faith is trust and belief. And the New Testament's very clear about that. A lot of people, a lot of people don't think what you believe is all that important. They think it's pretty much negotiable, just so long as you're a person of faith, but that's not true. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth was a worldly wise city, and the church at Corinth was worldly wise as well. In fact, they prided themselves on being very wise in their faith. They announced that they were followers of Jesus, and no doubt many of them were, but there were troubles in the church, and there was a worldliness in the church, and that bothered Paul. And so when he wrote his two letters to the Corinthians, a lot of it had to do with trying to straighten them out. They were so proud of their faith because it was the kind of faith that people in the world might actually accept. See, there's so much worldliness in what they believe that people would people would be likely to say, you know, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I sort of agree with you. The merging of the world and the church was taking place there in Corinth, and Paul didn't like it because the church is to be distinct in what it believes and how it lives. So here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11. Listen to what he writes to the Corinthians. I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds, notice that, it's your minds, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. That's no big deal to you. You're, you're very tolerant. You're accepting of diverse points of view. You find them interesting. You'll incorporate some of that into what you, what you believe. It gives you the reputation of wisdom in the community. 
that tension between you and the world diminishes because you're more like the world? And he says, that's what worries me about you, that you're being seduced in your minds. See, faith is not simply trust in some vague deity. It's trust in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one revealed in Christ and in Scripture. And if we are disciples, we are to be learners of this God and of Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture and conform our life to it. And if we do that, we're not going to be like the world in what we think. Paul says to the church in Ephesians that they are to grow in maturity. And listen to what he writes in Ephesians 4. He says that we must no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. says, Christians, you don't need to be blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Every new belief that comes blowing through, you don't let that unsettle your faith. You don't just go with with that. I was going to say go with the flow, but that's a pretty sharp mixing of metaphors, isn't it? Wind and water and all that. But the idea is the same. Saying, no, 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 no. Do not let yourself be blown hither and thither by whatever doctrine happens to be prominent in that day. But instead, you are to become mature in your faith. How do you do that? It's by being rooted in Christ and the truth of Christ and embracing the gospel and not accepting any other. There's a certain backbone to Christianity And if there's one thing the church today needs is some backbone. We don't need to be harsh or hard or rejecting of people. The opposite, we need to be kind and generous and loving. But there should be no, no, no compromise on the biblical gospel. Real faith is not about being a person of faith In some vague sense, it is about being a disciple of Jesus who has a doctrine to which we must submit our lives. Now, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. Timothy's a young minister. Paul Paul has a short time yet to live, and so he's going to pass on what he has for Timothy to prepare him for his ministry. Let me read to you what he says. 2 Timothy 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. They'll be offended by it, angered by it. Call you all sorts of names if you stand by it. Jesus says, hold to my teaching, and you do that, and not everyone's going to applaud you. In fact, the opposite. They didn't applaud Jesus, except for a season 
But whenever the teaching, whenever the teaching impinged on what they wanted, <laughs> so just too bad for Jesus. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, nonsense, foolishness, myths, things that no person should believe, and yet they'll turn aside to what is obviously, self-evidently false. They will do it because their beliefs are motivated by desire, not by a desire for truth, but by a desire to live life their own way. That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. That's not me saying it. That's Paul saying it. He says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So it's a question of salvation now. Paul's saying you need to persevere in this. Well, why wouldn't he persevere in it? Well, because there's opposition. That's why. Because people who believe in myths, they're going to attack you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to... They're going to see you as a problem to be solved. So you need, Timothy, regardless of what others might say, in season and out, you need to persevere in this doctrine. Watch your life and your doctrine. Then the two need to match up. Your life needs to live according to doctrine. It's not just a matter of what we believe. It's a matter of what we really believe. You know what I mean? what we really believe, and what we live out. I want to use a fancy word, instantiate. I taught theology, and we talk about instantiating. So, so we want the, the, the truth to actually, to actually be seen in the way we live. We want our lives to be a witness to that truth. So it's not just a matter of, of believing the right but it is a matter of believing the right things, right? So the Jews come to Jesus, those who heard him and believed in him. They believed in him, and Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciples. Well, what are you if you don't hold to my teaching? Well, you're a person of faith. Good for you. You're not my disciple unless you hold to my teaching. You know, it's interesting how, how common this theme is in the New Testament and how, how, quickly, how quickly we want to run from it. It's because we don't want the disagreements. Inevitably, if you make a truth claim, then you're making a claim that certain things are false. And, you know, we don't want to be disagreeable. In fact, Christians shouldn't be disagreeable. We don't want to be disagreeable, but we do need to disagree. And we need to be strong about that, clear about that, unafraid about that, bold and open about that. 
We need to be as loving as we can possibly be, humble, knowing that we don't see it all clearly and we make mistakes and and we are flawed just like any other human being. All of that's true, but nevertheless, if Jesus Christ has seized hold of you and has saved you and by grace has made himself your Lord, well, that means we need to hold by his teaching. We all need to hold by his teaching. And ministers need to read that passage in 2 Timothy. They need to read that passage and know that they are called in season, out of season, to speak the truth, to correct error, and do so whether it's received well or not. That's what the Scripture calls us to. So, in essence, what I'm talking about here is authenticity. I mean, that's a word that rings true today. People, people want to be authentic. And often they think that simply means nothing more than laying everything out for public view. I'm an authentic person. There are no secrets about me. This is, this is who I am. Not just at my best, but even at my worst. Fair enough. That's being authentic. But, but authenticity also means, also means if you say that you're a Christian, needs to mean you are really a Christian, not just someone who has faith in some vague notions about God, but a Christian is one who holds to the Lord's doctrine, his teaching. If you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciple. Then you're really a Christian. If you don't hold to the Lord's teaching, that's not a Christian. So we're talking about authentic Christianity. And don't we all want to be authentic people? So if, if I'm not holding to his teaching, then authenticity means acknowledging that I am not a Christian, no matter how often I go to church, no matter how Christian my family might be, no matter what prayer I prayed when I was, you know, six years old, if I don't hold to the Lord's teaching. I don't, mean, I don't mean you have all the answers or think you do, and I don't mean that you make no mistakes and you don't sin. We all make mistakes. We all sin. I get that. We all understand that. But if, if you are not seeking to follow Jesus Christ and what he taught and submitting your life to that, then by any reasonable definition, you are not his disciple and you're not a Christian. I'm not trying to put anyone down. I'm just saying for all of us, we need to take that seriously. It's got truth in advertising, right? I didn't invent Christianity. I don't get to decide what, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is the one who decides that, and we already see in John chapter 8 what he's decided. So, We've got mama bears in this church that really care about their children, and they're studying, they're studying apologetics. You know what apologetics is? It's, it's, it's a field of theology that seeks to answer the challenges to the faith put forward by the world, or sometimes by those within the church who've been influenced by the world. So we have, we have mama bears in this church studying apologetics because they want to teach their children the truth. And they know there's going to be a lot of lies that their kids are told, and they don't want them to believe the lies, so they're beginning to teach them that. 
Surely dads want to do the same. And surely all of us as Christians take this seriously or should, or should. And so if you are a disciple, it's not only about you, it's also about those who need to be discipled, who need to learn, who need to be taught. It begins with children. It begins with our young children all the way through high school. You may not know this, but um, Barbara and her team, what they've set up with our younger children, they don't just have random lessons Sunday by Sunday. That's not how they do it. They've got, they've got a whole plan from very, very young all the way through until they hand them off to the youth ministry, a whole plan of the doctrine they want the children to understand, doctrine in the broad sense of the term, the teaching. I mean, they are trying to inculcate the faith in these young children. And moms and dads are volunteering to help do that. But what about those of us who are not moms or dads who say, yes, we want to support these families that come up? Oh, absolutely. We want to come around and help them. What about being part of teaching our children? There are children. There are children. And we desperately need people in our church, adults in our church, to teach our children. We really do. Same thing with youth. When they hand off to the youth, Bob's got a whole curriculum each year, what, what is being taught. It's all in an effort to make disciples. And we have adults. We need teachers for adults as well. And perhaps God has called you to that. You can do that. If you don't feel equipped, we have a program called Artios. It's a three-year program. You study scripture, you study theology, you study apologetics, you study ministry skills. We'll be, we'll be recognizing some who've just graduated from Artios in a couple of weeks. So you can get involved in that. But this is so very important. And the final word for all of us is we need to hold to Christ's teaching. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can know him today. But bear in mind, that means putting your whole trust in him and then following him. And if you want to really be his disciple, it means submitting to the truth that he has brought. Not just saying you believe, but submitting to the truth. If you want to talk about that, if you want to receive Christ, when this service is over, I'm going to be in the front and I'd like to talk with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us in the dark that you have revealed yourself and eternal truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, sometimes we get tempted, we get lured astray, we listen to the world, other voices, the winds of false doctrines sweep through. Forgive us, Lord, for, for sometimes sitting so loosely on the truth. We are yours and you are our Lord in every sense. May it be, may it be that we will hold faithfully to your teaching, especially in these days. And Lord, may you by your Holy Spirit, even now, draw those who have a sense of their need and have the faith, Lord, to trust the, entrust their whole lives to you. Draw them and help them, Lord, to leave it all behind this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please?